Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest is Suzanne Mercier. Suzanne, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thank you so much, Kevin. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. We have had a delightful time on the before we hit the camera, just catching up old times. And and I don't want to steal your thunder, but it's amazing how many how many ways that, as you said, the universe connects the dots. So it's it, I yeah. want to hear hear all about you and share your your bio and your backstory with our Rising Tide audience. Fabulous, thank you. Okay, so um, uh, I came out to Australia quite young. I was a 10 pound pom as they used to call them. We came out when I was um, about seven years old. And uh, my parents had come, my father was Irish, my mother was English, and, and my mother was born in Rygate, Surrey, which is where the first um, dot from the universe came because that's <laughs> a, a, a part of the world that you have a great connection with. Is that not right? Absolutely. Lived there nine yeah. years. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so funny. So we came out to Australia and my parents, um, I hadn't even thought about this, but thank you for giving me that perspective. My parents were early entrepreneurs. Yeah. They moved to a place called Lord Howe Island, which is about 270 miles off the coast of New South Wales, which is one of the biggest states in Australia. And they, um, they set up, they bought into the island. They were the first non-islanders to buy in and they bought a guest house or they bought a, a property and they built a guest house. So they ran that guest house for, um, uh, probably for about three, uh, three, four years. And um, but, uh, during that time, I took my schooling by correspondence. And um, by the time I hit the, the age to go into high school, they thought they'd better come back to Australia. So they did um, and settled down into more normal type jobs. Uh, and at about 19, I made the decision. And about 20, I had enough money in my pocket to get on a ship and go to, um, to England. Um, so I went in and met up with my family that I hadn't seen my my grandparents, my um, my aunts and uncles, and and those and my my cousins. Uh, and so um, that was a wonderful trip. And I stayed there for uh, a couple of years. Worked in um, in London and had a fabulous time. And then um, a friend of mine said, "Oh, I've just heard about this idea that you can go and live in Germany, and um, you know that you can work for the American Army in Germany." So off I went to Germany. No job. This is what you do when you're young, isn't it? I loved it. No job. And I wound up working as a court reporter for the American Army. So I wound up traveling all around Germany, um, working with the what they called the Civilian Appellate Review Committee, looking at um, the, the grievances or the concerns that people who were not army, um, but who supported the army were um, experiencing and worked with that. Okay. So that was a fabulous. And that's where I met my first husband, who was American. Um, and then came to live in the States. So um, that's a bit of my background. But I, I wound up working um, uh, for a law firm in Atlanta and, um, and then I wound up coming back to Australia and studying marketing. So I went back to school mm -hmm. uh, and I loved marketing because I'm one of those people who's got an intense curiosity about people and, and to dance around in somebody's mind, not to be disrespectful, but just to explore and to think about how do people, how do people see things? Why do they do what they do? Um, has been both a blessing and, and a, probably a bit of an annoyance to people around me, but I, I, <laughs> I've always been intensely curious. So it was just a perfect area for me to get involved with. And I moved from marketing, fast moving consumer goods marketing um, with Schwarzkopf into advertising. And I worked with a, Australia's largest agency, which was George Patterson Advertising, um, which was part of the Ted Bates and the Saatchi Network. 
and for my sins, I became the first female director on, on the board, um, wow. which was interesting. I never really understood why. Thank you. Yeah, but my, this, this was really interesting because I never really understood why. I didn't, I didn't think I deserved it. I didn't think I knew what I was doing. Uh, and when I walked away from the agency, I did because I just didn't think I could keep up the charade anymore. But what I found out later was that I had been experiencing something called the imposter syndrome. Mm. Uh, and so I then, um, when I found out what that term was, I realized that's what I'd been doing. So I wound up um, going back and st studying a bit more of psychology and trying to understand what was going on here and worked my way through it as best I can. I can't say it's gone completely, but it, it, uh, it's pretty much gone. Uh, and, and then thought, well, hang on a second, 70% of people experience this. Maybe I need to, um, you know, to have a look at, um, at how can I help other people not give up what I gave up um, uh, because I thought I wasn't good enough. So that's, that was where I spent a lot of my time. I, I did before that run an advertising agency myself and a few other things. Um, but probably the crux of, of where I am now comes from that uh, recognition that I had been playing very small. So um, I've been working in that space. I've, I've run several businesses. I ran a network for small businesses called Bite Size Skills. I ran um, uh, a marketing consultancy. I ran an advertising agency called Creative Campaign. So I'm a bit of a serial entrepreneur, although perhaps not in the way that most people would talk about that. Like I built this business and sold it. That's not what I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what I did was I, um, I had this idea that I had to be unique in the market. And when other people started to play, and, and for some reason, I, I was able to pick things ahead of time. Right. Um, I think that's right. probably that's from the marketing and advertising. Well, it's, it's also a pattern recognition. You know, you mm -hmm. see things coming together and you think, ah, hang on a second, this might yep. work. Uh, and so I, I was able to do that. But what I didn't realize was how to package myself early enough to, to ride that wave, if you know what I mean, to go all the way through. But I think that, um, th that I was working in the space of... Um, of uh, personal branding 20 something years ago, working in the space of, um, of um, values and culture and things like that quite some time ago, but I walked away from them. So the, the understanding about the imposter syndrome really gave me a perspective on that. So I could see why I had been doing what I've been doing. And I thought about all the times that these businesses could have been much more successful than they were. And they were fine, I lived, I lived okay. But I never actually um, reproduced the salary that I had earned at George Pats, which was a pretty significant salary. <laughs> when you, so, let, let, me, let me cut in real quick yeah, here because I, I'm trying to put two pieces. I'm trying to have a pattern rec you know, recognition here. So yep. when I looked at your, at your LinkedIn profile and I looked at like your, your experience, there were, there's a number of, of different companies that you know were started and they may have run for two years or three years or a year and a half or whatever it was. And then there's another and there's another one. Was that, I mean, you talked about the imposter syndrome, but was that also, you know, what were the reasons that, that you would move from company to company? Was it when, did you, you kind of touched on a little bit, did you see competition coming in? You thought, okay, now it's time to do something else or what was the yeah. what was the impetus for keep continuing to change? Other than the fact um, you're just you're just like the early stage startup. Well, I, I did recognise that was where my talent was, rather than necessarily the day to day detail. So that mm -hmm. was interesting. But you can get past that with with you know support and and, that, right. and stuff. I don't mean psychological support. I mean, yeah, no. I mean virtual operational <laughs> virtual support. There you go. Operational support. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, so they were all my businesses and um, there were various reasons, but the, the, the bite-sized skills, for example, I took on a, a wrong, the wrong partner. 
so that was a situation where it was um, just untenable. Mm -hmm. and, and we had done a values check. We'd sat down and talked to each other and, and wound up realizing that, or we thought we were on the same page, but we weren't at all. So that was a really big lesson for me. Um, we wound up um, splitting and the business just went under, uh, just, mm -hmm. just folded. Uh, whereas it had, we were about to roll it out into franchises. So that, mm. was, uh, that was disappointing. Yeah. Uh, but a big, big lesson. Um, the other ones were me um, thinking that what I was offering wasn't good enough. Uh, and when the competition came in, as you suggested, or when, when other people started to do the same thing, I thought that I was supposed to be unique in the market. Mm -hmm. And if other people were doing the same thing, then, then that wasn't where I was supposed to be. And, and I don't even understand how I came up with that brilliant conclusion. <laughs> um, but I think that um, I, I interpreted signs incorrectly. I think that uh, at, at that stage it was like, oh, okay, well, this isn't going as fast as I thought it would or where I thought it would, mm. or maybe yep. I'm better off over here. Shiny new object syndrome comes to yep, mind. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and it could be part of the imposter syndrome as well. Uh, look, I mean, it I could think, be another facet of the imposter. If you think my products aren't good enough, my services are not on up to scratch because of the competition's yeah. better, that type of thing. So yeah, go on. Yeah, so so um, yeah, so certainly um, with the one exception where I think that's just a, a, like the, the partnership choice, that's something that a lot of people encounter. Yeah. Uh, I think the imposter syndrome is too, and self-sabotage comes in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, so I certainly was self-sabotaging. Uh, so I, I wound up um, understanding what that was all about and, um, and developed or, or I guess deconstructed the processes that I had used to get me through that and to start to build a lot more self-esteem and to, to start to recognize my value, to, um, to let go of perfection, to, um, mm. to recognize that um, mistakes are just feedback. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean I'm not good enough. It doesn't mean I'm not worthy because it's such a primal thing. It comes back to self-worth self and thinking that you have to be perfect to be worthy of, of, of love and affection and, and recognition and acceptance and those sorts of things sit behind a lot of the sabotage that so many of us go through. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, so that was, that was pretty powerful recognition. So I then packaged everything up and, um, and I started marketing and I got a heap of publicity because it was a fairly, not, not that the subject was new, but bringing it into business and mm -hmm. um, connecting it with business. And, and in Australia, it wasn't a big thing at all. Nobody no. really knew about right. it. So I had a big market um, you know, um, uh, education piece to do. And I wound up um, uh, appearing on ABC Radio National, which is ABC, BBC, you know, that sort of um, mm -hmm. network. Um, uh, lots of the, the newspapers. I think I was even published in Canada a couple of times. So I got some, some pretty, pretty big profile from it. Uh, and I kept trying to commercialize it, kept trying to commercialize it, but nobody wanted it. So uh, it was like, you know, I, I got some, I certainly got some products off the line and I wound up working with CSIRO, which is a big um, semi-government agency in Australia. Um, you know, dedicated to research and, and uh, marine research and, and that sort of thing, uh, weather patterning, um, big, big issues. I wound up working with some of the universities. I wound up getting quite a bit of coaching with um, senior executives who really didn't want to talk about what was actually going on, but were definitely feeling that feeling of not being good enough and starting to see that they were sabotaging mm. their own careers. So that yeah. was great. Um, but then, of course, um, everybody started to get on the same bandwagon and I had kind of lost heart. I, I, I don't, don't know if any of your um, startups go through this, but essentially I had, 
I'd really given it everything and I still couldn't get the traction. And um, I'm a big one for taking personal responsibility and I just couldn't see how I could commercialize it. Mm -hmm. Around the same time as I started working on the imposter syndrome, I started working on purpose as well, because the interesting thing about purpose is that purpose can get me past that feeling of not being good enough. For sure. Because I come yeah. from a much bigger, well, you, you would know that, come from a much bigger um, perspective where I can uh, I recognize that that my role here is to be of service and how can I be of service uh, and so I started to see that that was probably the best path through um, so I did, started to do a lot more work around purpose and and, and that I love because it like lit me up it just you know so my, my purpose for my business and for what the work that I do is to bring more heart and soul into business because we spend so much time there and and, and in larger businesses particularly but in smaller businesses as well um, we we might work for people that, that don't necessarily respect us the way that we could, or we might not work in an environment that lets us right. really be who we can be and, right. and show up the way that we want to. And, and we fear, and when we fear, we pull back and we don't perform the way that we could. So it, it this whole thing ties into so many performance metrics, if you like. Um, yeah, and they're so tied we, together. I mean, those two things absolutely. are, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the, what is the natural outcome of, or how do you overcome the imposter syndrome is, you know, how do you figure out what your purpose is or as Simon Sinek might say, what yeah. your why is type thing. So yeah. let's, let's you and I hop on the lift right now. We're going to, we're going to step on the, the, as the, the Yanks would say, the elevator, we're going to go up 10 floors. You've got a minute. Give me your best business elevator pitch on your, your product or service that you have today. Yeah, well, I help um, uh, female entrepreneurs, primarily female entrepreneurs and um, small business owners um, really recognize the gold that they bring, really recognize the value that they have, how that can make a difference, help them um, really increase their self-worth so that they can go out and build fabulous businesses, fabulous communities, uh, and, and really make the difference that they're driven to make. So that's, that's kind of where my heart is. Uh, I work with other people as well, but that's where my heart is. So how, if I'm a business owner, how do I measure the, the ROI, the bottom line ROI of that? Like it, it seems very much intangible. What's the tangible outcome? I mean, I know there is a, there's obviously a, a, yeah. a, an increase. There's obviously a, an effect on the bottom line, but how do you measure that? Or, or how do you overcome that in, in my mind as a, if I'm the, a business owner? Well, it, purpose is an organizing principle. If I take it into, into a different kind of language, it means that if I have a purpose in my business, it is the, the, the whole, the, the principle through which everything is organized, aligned. So purpose leads to my vision. My vision is actually how do I bring my purpose alive right now? Right. Uh, and if, we, if I want to make a difference in the world, my business has to, have, uh, has to be sustainable. It has to make a profit, hence the business name Purpose to Profit. Mm -hmm. So I believe that the only sustainable business comes through purpose uh, and being of service because the, the, all, all the research that I've seen uh, now, and there's plenty of it now, which is fabulous, talks about how purpose leads to high levels of engagement, high levels of customer loyalty, higher levels of profitability. Mm. High, so everything leads to bottom line. Yeah. Um, so so the, the first sign would be that somebody is feeling more inspired because the feeling is the lead indicator. 
Um, and when they're feeling more inspired, then, then the challenges that come up in the business are just that. They're not roadblocks. They're just, okay, how do I solve this? We get to be more resilient and resourceful because we're here to make this happen because we've got such a big reason for it to happen. And there's so many inspiring people that have talked about this, starting with Viktor Frankl. Right. Um, and Simon Sinek um, is from the advertising industry like me. So we all were, were working around that mm -hmm. as, as you know, brand purpose and things like that. But he's mm -hmm. taken it bigger than that which is fabulous. And I love the fact that he's, he's got more people talking about that. And I think the time has come for us to really start living our businesses this way. And I think this coronavirus time is a reset button. It's, it's like funny time you mentioned Victor Frankel. I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt it's, I, yes, I literally was listening to Man's Search for Meaning I love it. audio earlier today. I mean, I literally was listening to that while I was doing something mm. else and just kind of playing in the background. And yeah. I, I love the point you made a minute ago about you use the word sustainable. Yes. If you look at, I mean, I, and I've asked this question to so, I mean, I've interviewed 150, you know, different startup founders. And I'm thinking, you know, I've asked a number of them, how important is um, being passionate about what you do, having purpose in that, that type of thing? How, how important is that? And it's amazing that two thirds of them would say it is absolutely vital. Then you have the other third that maybe maybe they're the left brain side that says, I don't care what I'm selling because at the end of the day, it's business. I, I just love the, the game. I love the, the hunt or whatever. And I, I'm a little bit like, and I, I think, you know, just kind of look in your eyes right now. I'm a little bit more like you. I think it is extremely important because it is what gets you out of bed in the morning. You know, yeah. money is not a, it's not a great long-term motivator. You know? No, and, and it is important because if we don't have money, then we can't do the work. Absolutely. So it's, it's the balance, isn't it? It's, Absolutely. It's finding, and I think one of the things that I talk to my clients about is that we actually get paid in many different currencies. And I think it's really important for us to understand the currencies that we get paid in because that mm -hmm. may or may not serve us. Um, but certainly, I, I think what you're talking about when you talk about the entrepreneurs, that startups that you've talked about, um, I, I've sort of looked at um, what's the definition of it, an entrepreneur. And I think we use that term, I use that term, people out in the market use that term quite broadly yeah. um, because I think they use it for anybody who starts a business. But the one third that you're talking about that are not fired up by something, they're probably just business startups. Business owners, that's, that's a great yeah. distinction. That is a great yeah. distinction. And, and look, you know, I mean, they, if, if something happened and they couldn't sell this, they'd go and sell that. If yeah. something happened to my business, a little part of me would die mm. and, and, and the rest of me would say, okay, now what, how can I bring this alive now in this, yeah. you know, with, with all that's going on, how can I shift? How can I pivot? Which is what many of us are doing at the moment. I mean, business owners would, would open a guest house in Australia or in Cornwall. Entrepreneurs open a big guest house on Lord Howe Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that's so interesting. Thank you for that distinction when we had our earlier conversation. That was just wonderful. I never saw my parents that way. So that was well, lovely. You know, it's, it's, it's a legacy. It's in your DNA. That's exactly right. And it's, it's really it interesting is. because, I mean, looking back, I mean, I think sometimes we almost look at it in a punitive manner that says, well, I, 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 you know, I switch jobs every two years, right? Start a company and I, you know, I, I get bored with it or I move on to something else or circumstances have that sometimes that's okay. If, yeah. if that's where you are most gifted in the initial startup launch, get it rolling phase and then hand it off to someone, it doesn't have to be a seven figure exit. It could be just a transition. But that's yes. okay because as long as you're paying your bills and you see purpose in this and you are driven by this and, and you know, yeah. it gets you out of bed, 
And to Absolutely. me, that is just the, I mean, I love just the, the game of, of business, the game of, yeah. of startup. I mean, it's the whole yeah. thing. And it's just an interesting, interesting take. But you mentioned a second ago, too, about the kind of the current time we're in. And I really wanted to give you some space to, to kind of, you know, expand on that, really head in whatever direction you wanted to head. But I, I would really like you to, to, you know, somewhere in that, in that you know, um, whatever you're going to say, talk, of, to, talk to, like, founders that are kind of floundering right now, you know, that might be listening to this and, and having a difficult time. You know, give them, give them a little bit of hope in this as well. But, but uh, you, you can cover whatever you want to, but it's just a, such a broad topic, but it's so timely for today. Yeah, it is. It's, I actually think it's a magical time. And I know that's a, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody whose lives have been touched by that at right. all. Um, I, and I think many people have. I don't personally know anybody who has, so I'm very blessed. But I, so, I, so I don't mean any disrespect at all. I, I, I don't either, none taking this. Yeah, thank you. I think if we're talking about entrepreneurs, what we've got in Australia, we're self-isolated. I think you are too, aren't mm -hmm. you? You're not quarantined yes. yet, but you're self-isolated. Right. Um, so, so we've got this time where the pause button is kind of put on and, and it's not that we aren't having to pay our bills. We've been given uh, in Australia um, some support, which is lovely. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and it still doesn't mean that we don't have to get out there and try and do so, so what we need to do to move past this. I think that we're going to see some major changes and I've been very heartened by walking around and seeing the kindness with which people are treating each other. Uh, we, there was, there was a very nasty, um, there was a lot of in the media and I don't know how nasty it was in, in actuality, but there were a lot, a lot in the media about people, um, blaming others for bringing the coronavirus. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that there has been a nasty backlash from that. That's, that seems to be got, I didn't see mm -hmm. any of that. Yep. Um, and I, um, I live in an area that's very diverse, which is wonderful. And, and I, uh, there's so many acts of kindness and so many people that are willing to smile and, and a smile changes everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm seeing that and I think that's wonderful. So what I'm seeing is that people are extending to each other warmth and kindness and compassion and, and love. Um, we're all connected. So that's the first thing I'm seeing. The second thing I'm seeing is that with that, there are a lot of people that are willing to help each other. And, um, and I think that um, I've had, I've had a, an informal mentor and I've got a formal mentor as well. And these, the informal mentor is a gentleman who's retired and he's just wonderful. And he, he just loves being involved in the game, but I think he, he also wants to see me be more successful. So find somebody who has the skills and capability and who would love to be involved. I do that in, in turn for some other people. I'm, yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm working with some people in exchange for equity and I love that. It's wonderful. So find somebody who might be willing to help you, who's got the skill set that you need, who believes in you. But first you've got to believe in yourself. And I mm -hmm. think that's the thing. So for you to find your purpose, you need to recognize the value that you bring. So you need to see your strengths and don't worry about your weaknesses unless they're going to derail you. We've all got weaknesses. None of us is perfect. Um, far from it. Uh, and that's part of what makes us amazing. So you know, it's, it's more, have a look at what it is that you bring and, and who, who, you, who you serve and what pain you help solve. So if people are in pain, what do you do? And that's another word for, for the, the experience of a problem, obviously. But when you, when, you, when you look at what you bring, how do you help people? Because if you can start to come from that and you can start to feel that what you're doing makes a difference, 
then you will be inspired. When you're inspired, other people are inspired. I mean, I've had so many situations. When I started Bite Size Skills, um, it was a long time ago, so forgive me. It was the paper world, not the digital world at that stage. And, and I, had, I was doing a launch and I had, um, uh, I had bought uh, a, a database and I had five pieces of paper to be folded and shoved into an envelope with a, a label and a stamp and that sort of thing. Shoved, I'm so old school. Um, and, and so, but, but it was the way we did it then. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I was talking to people about what I was up to and people said, oh, I've got two hours. Can I come and help you? So I had this little production line. My parents even came up from three hours away and, and sort of got on the end of the production line and, and, um, and everybody helped me. And, and, and so it got done. So if you let people know what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and you're fired up about it and, and, and ask for help because there's no shame in asking for help. I know many of us think that we should be able to do it ourselves, but we are all in this together. So um, if they buy what you, and I mean buy emotionally, connect with what you're, what you're offering, your purpose, your reason for doing what you're doing, you will have support. Wow. And if you what ask a, yeah. for it. What a great way to kind of wrap up our chat today. I, I'm curious, how, how has it affected your business in, you know, specifically? I mean, what, what, it, what have you seen? And I guess maybe one or two steps you've taken to kind of, you know, shift yeah, or pivot sure. or whatever in, in the midst of this, even yourself, that might be, you know, a good lesson for someone else. Oh, absolutely. I lost three quarters of my business in two hours. Wow. So, um, yeah, so that was interesting because most of my business was face to face. And for the mm -hmm. last two years, I've been looking to bring my business online. But of course, the day to day work was a challenge. You know, that was where I put my attention because they were already paying me. This was speculative, right. exactly. but it was it was developmental. Yeah. Uh, and so I wound up um, uh, thinking, I think I felt down for about two hours. I've got an incredible resilience. And, and it was like, OK, what now? Uh, and I knew that I would be fine. I always have been. I'm, I'm fortunate in that I'm an oldie and I've gone through these dips before. Mm. <laughs> and I know there's another side. And I know that what I'm doing is at least for me and for, for many people, I hope, um, adding value. So um, yep. it's like, okay, how do I do it now? So what, the, what it's caused me to do is accelerate my, um, my online business. So mm -hmm. I ran a five-day resilience challenge last week. Um, I found that the, my, on, my database was filled with people who were probably working from home. And I thought there were more, um, more entrepreneurs in my database. So that was interesting. Uh, but essentially, the, the, I learned some lessons from that. The timings didn't work, but, but the content was great. So I got the content out there. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, it's just like learning and taking the feedback and saying, okay, that didn't work. Now, what do I need to learn from that? So I have a very formal um, reflection process where I, I pull apart all the elements that, that were involved in the campaign and look at where people dropped off and where do I need mm, to go yeah, to, to work that out, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm very quick to reflect and I'm also now so much better at not taking it personally. It's not about me. It's about the timing. It's about the offer. It's about um, you know the cost or it's about whatever. I, I'm able to pull it apart and I don't take it personally anymore, which means that I'm so much more resilient and able to to handle that. So my, for me, what this all means is that my business is going online. Um, and, and I think what's going to be fascinating is to see what businesses come out of this time. Because in the 2008 financial crisis, mm -hmm. was it Dropbox and WhatsApp and a couple of other Slack, I think, and a few other businesses came out of that. Unicorns, time. not small ones. Unicorns, I mean, major yeah, unicorns. Sure. Yeah. 
So what's going to come out of this time? And I think that's going to be fascinating because I, if, if the world of, of meeting virtually um, is as it is, are we going to have um, virtual reality meeting rooms and things like that? I mean, it's going to be fascinating. I don't yep. know where it's going to go. I think it's going to be a pretty exciting time. Well, it, it is, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's going to take a few months to, to kind oh, yes. of, you know, yes. manifest itself. And maybe a, maybe a year from now, it might, it might take that long yeah. to fully, you know, come full circle. But I am absolutely with you. I think this is an incredible time of opportunity. Yeah. And I appreciate the, you know, the way that you kind of cast vision for us. And so as we wrap up today, so, so tell me, we were talking a little bit off camera. You've got some things that you're going to launch the next two, two or three weeks and probably about the time yes. this, this episode goes live. So kind of wrap up with that and maybe the best place that people can find you online. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's out there for free at the moment online. So what I wanted to do was to, um, uh, to do something a bit different. I, I'm really um, uh, looking at mindset and how mindset and purpose and personal brand uh, help help build us and help prepare us for what opportunities may be coming mm -hmm. ahead. So that's what I'm I'll be putting up fairly shortly with a couple of things. And if anybody wants um, anything from me in um, in terms of the uh, in terms of the um, the entrepreneurial space and things like that, I've got a heap of uh, free books. I'm happy to give away. Um, but essentially, I really would like to take people on a journey. This is such a great time for us, and if we make it important, we've only got now. And we don't know what's going to happen in the future. So if we can make it important to invest a little bit in ourselves, time, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever you can manage, time, a, a little bit of money, whatever it is, to help you prepare to, to really um, look at the opportunities, find the opportunities, see how you can you know, capitalize on the opportunities, right. um, then that's, that's what I'd like to be of service with. Well, we will certainly make sure that if you send me links, we'll make sure they get in the show notes so people that are, that, are that see the episode can see those notes. But Suzanne, it's just been a pleasure to uh, connect with you tonight and, and just this morning, your time, and yes. uh, just just hear your story and, and backstory and, and the, just the the experiences and, and the different you know industries you've been in and the different ways <laughs> you've kind of looked at business and, and navigated those and as you're navigating today. And really just the leaving us with you know a hopeful vision at the end of this yeah. chat about you know this too shall pass you know mentality and what can you do right now to 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 get better yeah. but just thank you again for just oh, helping all you. boats rise in a rising tide suzanne have Love a great it. day you too thank you so much kevin take care thanks, thanks. bye Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.